Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Friday, January 27th. We're not here live today. This is a pre-recorded show. It's time for Kevin's commentary. I had a couple things going on this week that I just needed to take care of, so I thought I'd pre-record today's show so I could... uh, get some work done. I got to get down and, and um, really get some stuff going on the coach. We've got, we've had the coach in the shop. Uh, it's back at the factory for a couple months now. Most of the mechanical work is all done. Now it's time to decide if we're keeping it, um, maybe trading it, um, or totally reconditioning it. So if we keep it, we're probably going to redo a lot of the interior Um, so got to get down there and, uh, make those decisions. So you're getting a recorded show today and I'll tell you right now, it is all over the board. Uh, the topics I've got today are topics I've kind of been collecting and bookmarking. It seems like for about a month. So some of them aren't necessarily news that they're happening right this minute, but, um, they're all, pretty important and it's the stuff I've uh, been following and keeping my eye on for a while now so sit back relax don't don't call in because we're not going to answer the phones today and uh, let me know what you think all right so I've got a lot of stuff on the vaccine Uh, so I'm going to start with that if you want to skip that I don't know I'll be 15 minutes or so um Ever since the vaccine came out from the very beginning, I said that there were several problems. One, if you looked at the statistics of COVID, most of the people dying, even early, there were some really clear patterns we were seeing. The biggest pattern was age. People who were dying from COVID were old. Remember, Uh, We were ground zero, not necessarily Oregon, Seattle, if you remember right, right here in the Pacific Northwest, the very first case. We were ground zero on the West Coast here, the Pacific Northwest. And that was in a nursing home. Remember that? The nursing homes were a big deal in the beginning. A lot of people died. Many of the people dying from COVID in the beginning had already reached the average lifespan for Americans. So really, I'm not saying it's it's okay when somebody dies and they made it past the average lifespan, but we have to look at that as a clue. Those people could die at any minute. The other thing we knew, not only were they old, they had poor health. Ooh, that's obvious. 88% of the people in the country are in poor metabolic health, which was the second risk factor. So if you were old and you had poor metabolic health, which was most old people, and you got COVID, there was a pretty good chance you were going to die. Flu kills people like that. Pneumonia kills people like that. Heart attacks. That's why the average life expectancy isn't even that high. So... Put aside the vaccine itself, whether it was safe or tested or effective, it wasn't any of those things. Before we even talk about the vaccine, 
shouldn't we have been talking about whether we really needed a vaccine and who needed it and who was really at enough risk that they should have taken it? But we didn't do that. If you remember the hype, people were waiting in line. They were so excited because they had created so much fear over COVID. The daily death count, remember that every day, but they weren't telling us how old people were. They were just saying, oh, look at all these people who died from COVID today. And look, they we're, we're, we're stacking bodies up in semi-trailers because the morgues are filled and we're, we have to build these big field hospitals that nobody used. Remember how long those didn't last long at all. Remember we brought the bring hospital we brought the bring big hospital ship into New York. I don't think anybody used it. But it created a lot of fear. And fear was what drove people to get the vaccine. And that was before we knew that it even had problems. I mean, we were talking about it then saying, "Wait a minute, it's not tested." We didn't know it was going to be unsafe, but you have to at least consider the fact that it could be unsafe. The FDA has gone through full approval processes for many drugs, dozens, that have ultimately killed so many people they had to take them back off the market. Vioxx killed 60,000 people before they took it off the market. So we know the FDA, even when you go through full approval process. Still, they make huge mistakes and they put out drugs that are dangerous and kill people and injure people and maim people and make them very sick. That's with full testing. We knew this had basically no testing. They started a double-blind placebo test, but within weeks, without any explanation, they started giving the vaccine to the control group. Well, if you do that, you don't have a control group anymore and you no longer have a test. So the, the lack of testing is worse than most people realize. And why don't we have more long-term testing now with control groups? There doesn't seem to be any that I can find. So we knew it was a problem early on. Here we are a couple years later, and it's finally finally starting to come to light how bad these vaccines really are. In fact, I, I will say now, uh, I, I don't know that I'm ever going to create that, you know, kind of deep dive into the vaccine that I kept saying I was going to do, because I just don't think it's going to matter. It's a bunch of numbers. I could go through how bad all the numbers were. But really, I am at the point now where we should all be pushing to have this vaccine removed from the market immediately. And it shouldn't be brought back until they can do testing and prove to us that it's safe. And it's not. So it should just be pulled from the market. Instead, though, they're doubling down. I, I, I'm seeing more and more commercials from the government about getting vaccinated. I'm seeing more and more billboards. There's a bigger push everywhere. It's just unbelievable how bad the numbers really are for this, and yet they're still pushing it. So we have to keep talking about this. So is the vaccine safe and effective? No and no. It's not safe. It's not safe at all. 
We don't even know how unsafe it is because they're hiding everything. The VAERS database is, the numbers are just atrocious there. And people claim, oh, well, it's not real. Well, it's also underreported by about 90% that we know of. That's why this is so scary. We know of some of the dangers. We know of the heart problems, myocarditis, pericarditis, um, blood clotting seems to be a real problem. The whole sudden death thing is, is taking off. Um, I, I spent a couple days, almost nonstop, just trying to chase these things down on Twitter. I have given up. before. You know, if I was going to retweet or post, um, I've posted a lot of these on our website, I at least do a little bit of background checking. Sometimes I do a lot of background checking. In the beginning, I was really doing a lot, trying to find out, was there an autopsy? Do we know any of this? You couldn't get data anywhere on this stuff. And the, they, if, if you try, they kind of make you feel like a ghoul. You know, they start to say, well, these people need their privacy. They lost a loved one. I, I get that. And I'm not insensitive to that. But I want to make sure a lot of other people don't lose loved ones. And unfortunately, people are going to have to start being transparent. We need to start seeing the cause of death. You know, there's two big things in the country right now that are both really wrong and they're both killing a lot of people. So when I see these sudden deaths, no explanation, I, I almost always assume it's one of the two. And that's either some sort of a, an opioid overdose or poisoning, like a fentanyl poisoning, or it's a vaccine death. Those seem to be the two things that are killing an awful lot of people. And when, when they, you know, say, you know, you have to respect our privacy, we don't want to release the cause of death, we'll never know. The government's going to hide it. Don't, don't do it as an individual. Don't help the government by hiding this and covering this up. We've got to get the word out there. Um, they're moving forward on this. They're developing new vaccines. I, I will also say that there seems to be a big, big push towards more mRNA drugs and specifically vaccines. I, I was not an anti-vaxxer. I was very, very cautious of vaccines, and I wouldn't ever give anything other than the mandatory. So whatever, you know, the kids had to get to go into school, you know, I, I went along with that. I didn't think it was necessary. I mean, I don't think it's necessary to be vaccinated against measles or chickenpox. If you have a halfway decent immune system, you'll handle those things just fine. It's a one-time event. You're never going to get them again. I don't think we need vaccines for, for diseases like that. Now, when you look at a lot of these um, new vaccines that we don't know a lot about, we don't have a lot of history about. You know, people always say, oh, my God, I can't believe you're an anti-vaxxer. Polio would have killed us all, and it was so horrible, and we eliminated polio, and yeah, we, we could go back and argue that. I won't. Let, well, I'll, I'll give it that. That was a, a beneficial vaccine, we'll call it. I won't even argue that, although I could, but I won't. 
Polio was widespread and was killing people. Something needed to be done. I will say that most of the diseases that we think were big vaccine victories were really nothing more than those were highly infectious diseases. And we had horrible living conditions in cities and very poor nutrition. So we can't just say that, well, those vaccines saved a whole bunch of lives and it was the only thing we could do. No, I have a feeling if people would have been healthier, that wouldn't have been a problem. But that's another story. Now we're starting to see things like vaccines for HPV, human papillomavirus. Very rare, really rare. And just because you get the virus doesn't mean anything. Lots of people have the virus. Nothing ever happens. Some people who get the virus may develop cancer over their lifetime. And this vaccine might, no guarantee, it might stop you from getting that cancer, or it might not. Now what we find, turns out, and that HPV vaccine's been around a long time, turns out that there's a ton of evidence that actually it increases your odds of getting HPV, which we're not sure how, but there seems to be a lot of data. Does that sound familiar? Because clearly now, with the COVID-19 vaccines, overwhelming evidence. The more shots you have, the more likely you are to get COVID. This is not a, you know, maybe we should call the COVID shot the anti-vaccine. That's really what it is. It's an anti-vaccine. It doesn't work. It does the opposite of what a vaccine does. It's the anti-vaccine. Maybe we should start a new... Uh, new push to to get that it's the new anti-vaccine it's exactly what it is so now now i am becoming completely anti-vax completely for my i'm so glad i don't have kids and i don't have to make this decision anymore although i i i, I would have already made it no vaccines for my kids i wouldn't have given them anything now I'll, I'll just give them a good healthy immune system i'm glad i don't have to make that decision though it's easy for myself. I'm not taking any kind of a vaccine. Now, what's going to happen that I fear, this is not our last pandemic. This isn't our last virus. I think we're in for a, a pattern of this. And if we get one that, that is more deadly than COVID was, then it's going to be much more tempting to think about taking a vaccine, but only if they can prove that it's safe and effective and it works. And I don't see them doing that anymore. So I think the, the, the next round of this is probably going to get worse. I may come back to a couple other um, vaccine issues. Um, oh, no, you know what? I do have another vaccine story here I want to talk about. So I'll, I'll wrap up the vaccine topic with this one. Um, this one does make me a, a little crazy. Fentanyl. I talked about uh, fentanyl. I'm trying to find my article here. Where did I put that? Oh, I know where it is. Hold on. When I, I've talked a lot about the fentanyl crisis, which really is the opioid crisis, which started back in the 90s. When doctors, and it mostly was because of Purdue Pharma and OxyContin and their big push, um, doctors used to be really afraid of giving people opioids for chronic pain. 
because when do you stop? And doctors were smart enough to know that if you had chronic pain, ongoing pain, and you tried to manage it with an opioid, you were going to become addicted to that opioid. It was very, very common. And doctors were convinced that that was false. And then they started prescribing a lot of opioids again. That's what started it in the 90s. And then Purdue Pharma put the huge push on selling Oxycontin and, and getting doctors to prescribe it because you had a toothache and, you know, teenagers were getting 30-day uh, prescriptions filled for minor pain um, or maybe even some major pain after a surgery. But surgery pain lasts a couple days at most and can be handled with things like Percocet. And, but um, Oxycontin became very, very popular. Purdue Pharma made billions and billions of dollars, and then they filed bankruptcy, but the the family still has um, all the money. Um, That problem has been going on for a long, long time. Now what we have is the pharmaceutical companies are trying not to sell so many opioids. The doctors are backing off somewhat. It's too late. The barn door was open. The horse is gone. Um, I, I don't know how we're going to resolve this one. A lot of people are going to die, but here's what makes me a little crazy about this. Listen to this headline. Will those who made fentanyl now get to sell the vaccine? They have actually developed a fentanyl vaccine. It may, may lower drug overdose deaths. Not for sure. But it it may. Um, They were basically trying to block. uh, They're trying to create a vaccine that blocks the drug from entering the brain. You won't get the high. And if you don't get the high, then what would be the point of abusing the drug? Um, uh, uh, Unbelievable that we think that's what the answer to this is. The pharmaceutical companies created this problem. And now we're going to allow pharmaceutical companies to profit from this problem by selling a vaccine. So they made a gazillion dollars selling opioids. They realized that opioids cause horrendous um, constipation. So they developed a drug specifically for opioid-induced constipation. They make a bunch of money off that drug. Now they're going to get a drug approved That might, it's a vaccine, but it it might stop some of these overdose deaths. This is just criminal. This this really, really has to stop. Uh, The pharmaceutical companies, I am am very um, capitalistic, always have been. I, I don't want to see governments shutting down businesses or it's a shame because the the government isn't the answer to this either but i think something has to be done with the pharmaceutical companies and unfortunately that may have to happen through the government um the other day on a show i i was talking about twitter and about uh you know i'm following a lot of vegans i'm following more people i disagree with than than who i agree with one of the reasons i've said i don't know i i i honestly do not understand anymore people who vote democrat and what they're thinking and why you can't get them to engage on a topic 
let's let's engage on the southern border. I've tried it. I, I, when people call, I, I've tried it. I gave up. I mean, nobody wants to engage on these issues that seem so obvious. The southern border is a disaster, and it's destroying our country. The mandates were wrong, and they're destroying our country and our military and our health care system. And, but you can't get anybody on the left to engage in these conversations. And it's a little odd to me. Logically, I have to believe that in this country right now, there are more people that believe that way. I mean, look at elections. Joe Biden won an election. I, I, that's shocking to me. He, he's got dementia. He didn't even come out of his basement. And yet he won the election. Well, that must mean there's an awful lot of people in the country. The majority of the country must agree with him in these things. Well, if there's so many people that agree with these things, why can't I ever get anybody to talk about it? So I thought maybe Twitter was um, the, the place to do that. And, and like I said, I'm spending way more time on there than I should be right now just because I have so many projects I have to get done. Um, but it's it's been a worthwhile venture and kind of backing off that a little bit now and, and really cracking down and getting on these projects. We've got some really good stuff that we're close to releasing. I'm, I'm getting excited about it. Um, so I, I chose not to turn Twitter into an echo chamber. I didn't want to just follow people who agree with everything I say and then see them agreeing with me all day long. I don't need that. I do want to see what other people, people on the left, because, you know, I, I'm off social media for the most part, except my sites. My sites aren't very political, which is fine. We don't really want them to be. But I am curious as to, you know, what what's on the mind of Democratic voters. And I, I'm a little, uh, I'm actually a little concerned when, when I see what is going on on Twitter. Um, so I'll, I'll keep you updated on that. Uh, I was following an account that was making me a little crazy for a day. It popped up out of nowhere. It turns out it's a parody account. There's a lot of these. I'm not sure I understand them either. And there's still something broken with Twitter because some of these parody accounts end up getting hundreds of thousands of followers in just a month or two. There's something weird going on with that. Uh, let's see. What else do I have on here that... Uh well, I, I wanted. I have a lot of stuff on here. I'm trying to do it in a logical order um, that makes some sense. So I'm going to stick on the the COVID thing here for just a little bit because I did have another topic, not necessarily the vaccine itself, but but COVID and everything that's been going on. One of the things we're concerned about and trying to get data on is is excess deaths. Uh, I explained this on the show the other day, but we need to talk about this. We need to get people to understand and, and start paying attention to this and talking about it. So we have data on how many people die in a given year in every country around the world for the most part. The data is all out there. You can go look at it. Uh, it, it. It's pretty stable. What I mean, you don't see big changes in this number. A couple of percentage points a year, maybe it, it moves. And when we, it's called all cause mortality. That's what we're measuring here. And what that means is, it, let's just use the U.S. as our example. Um, every year in the United States, a certain number of people die. All causes. 
So it doesn't matter whether they were 120 years old and they died from old age or they were 20 minutes old and died. Every death, every age, every condition, every death is recorded. And then we just, how many were there this year? And the number doesn't change very much. Been pretty stable for years and years and years until 2020. Now, in the beginning, the excess mortality was listed as COVID. Well, there was a problem with that because we know that if, uh, if you got mugged and somebody stabbed you and you died, but when you got to the hospital, they saw you had a positive COVID test, it got listed as a COVID death. They are now finally admitting, not that it does any good because nobody's paying attention this late. They're now finally admitting they absolutely overcounted the deaths. The FDA just came out and said this this week. Nobody's paying much attention to it. So we know they overcounted. So in 2020, we can look at the excess deaths and say, well, it was kind of sort of COVID, except that probably doesn't really make sense either. There may have been something else going on in 2020 we're not sure of. 2021, the numbers really take off. And now there have been enough people to go in and and crunch the numbers and pull out the COVID deaths. And even if you pull out all of their reported COVID deaths, it doesn't account for the high number. Something else is killing people. Well, what else changed in 2021? We've accounted for COVID. What about the COVID vaccine? That's really what we're looking at. Is this vaccine really causing people to die? And there seems to be a lot of evidence, but there also seems to be a lot of cover-up. So pay attention to that. Go, go look for some of those numbers. Start talking about that, the, the total excess mortality to people and see what, uh, see what kind of a response you get with that one. So, all right, we are going to move off of health and the vaccine and COVID and all that fun stuff. Oh, no, we're not. I just saw another note. Here's was the point I was trying to get to. I, I read a lot of headlines. I read a lot of news. Um, it's just part of what I do every day. I am shocked. I don't know why I keep being shocked by this, but I am shocked by the blatant attempt the blatant, ridiculous attempts. See, the governments are finally starting to realize people are catching on to these excess deaths. They're seeing it in social media. They're seeing it in their own life. Now people are talking about this. Do you know anybody that died suddenly or got the vaccine and is injured? People are talking about it because Twitter has been partially fixed. Elon Musk still says he has a lot of work to do. It's a complicated system and it's got, you know, algorithms and all kinds and human beings still at, at um, Twitter who are probably not happy and maybe sabotaging things. So but but Twitter itself, the fact that Elon Musk bought it and started reinstating a lot of doctors who had been banned because of vaccine information, they're all back now. This is really starting to be talked about. And because it's being talked about, we're seeing these ridiculous articles 
Uh, here are two of them that just make me a little crazy. Um, there's been these articles being spread that new research shows that eggs have some compound in them that causes your blood to clot. Really? Wow, we've been eating eggs for millions of years. And all of a sudden, we just now figured out that eggs cause your blood to clot. There is zero evidence of this. Zero. Yet, they write articles about this. And then here's the other one. (laughs) Climate change. Extreme temperatures. That's what's causing these people just to fall over and die. It's climate change. They're too hot or they're too cold. And it's causing them to have cardiac issues. And they're just, they're just collapsing. I, I don't even know what to say to that. That is just so blatantly ridiculous. But you know what? There are a lot of people who believe this kind of stuff. When it comes from the mainstream media and it gets reported and repeated and reported and repeated over and over and over, and people don't read books, they don't really do deep dives into anything as far as research. They, they kind of what I do all day long, scroll headlines. Well, I scroll headlines because when I find one that's interesting, then I read the article. And if there are links in the article and if there's support for the article, I go check that. I go try to see if there's any kind of conflict of interest with whoever wrote the article. Did they have some sort of agenda? Well, I can't do that anymore. That These things were coming in so fast. Now, these COVID vaccine injuries were coming in so fast and these sudden death stories. I got to the point I... I I couldn't even go verify that the people were real. I mean, that was the the first step that I would absolutely do. They have a name, they have a city, go find the original story about this. That would be the first thing I would do. Then I would look, you know, try what else can I find? You can't even do that anymore. These stories are coming so fast, but I can promise you nobody is falling over and collapsing because they ate eggs out in the sun. That, that just isn't happening. Um, let's talk about the fair tax. I want to talk about the fair tax. One of my absolute favorite topics, and I had given up on it. Uh, and I had mostly given up on it because our politics have become so screwed up. I didn't think there was any chance we would be talking about the fair tax. Um, I, we just, you know, this is politics. So I'm going to be everything about the fair tax politics. There's no other way to, uh, to talk about it because the fair tax exists already. It's complete. It's written. It's been around for about 30 years now, I think. Um, we know all the numbers. It's been researched. It's been, the numbers have been crunched many, many times. All we need are politicians to vote on it. And it comes up, you know, every now and then in Congress, doesn't get much support. I had kind of given up on it. You know, the, the politics had become such a mess. I was shocked when um, Kevin McCarthy proposed this. And I'm not a big McCarthy fan. I wish he wasn't Speaker of the House, but he is. Um, but I am very, very happy that he proposed this. And not that I believe for a second it's going to pass. Not in this environment, not even close. 
but the fact that we're still talking about it and it's and we're talking about it more than we have in the past i would like to go back and find out i don't think that there has ever been a speaker of the house um as a a sponsor or to or to promote this it's hard to find anybody in government that supports or promotes this so to to see a speaker of the house actually bring this up was encouraging it's not going to pass there's there's no way because the democrats hate the fair tax um and and a lot of the republicans do too this isn't you know i'm not just going to lay this on the democrats um if the republicans could have gotten on board with this we may have been able to get gotten it passed over the years but we can't We've got to get bipartisan support for this. And there should be. There really should be bipartisan support. Now, one of the things that's making me crazy, although, again, it's at least being talked about, but I hate the way it's being talked about. What I, what I mean here are the politicians. And I've actually seen Joe Biden um, talking about this quite a bit and posting um, about this. I've seen a lot of the the Democrats and here, here's how they, here's how it goes. The word fair tax isn't even used. And it should be because the fair tax is a real thing. There are at least two books written about it. I've recommended those books for years. This is a very well-documented way of generating revenue for the federal government. But instead of the Democrats coming on and saying, you know, Kevin McCarthy proposed the fair tax, let's Let's talk about it. Here's why we don't like it. They don't do that. They don't even say fair tax. I just read a post by Joe Biden a couple minutes ago before I came on and started this. And he basically said, this is outrageous. We're already suffering from inflation and, and people are being hit in their wallets. And, and now the, the Republicans want to put a 30% sales tax on Americans. That is such bullshit First off, it's not 30%, it's 23. I could spend two whole hours on that one topic alone, the difference between 23%, 30%, how it got calculated, why it gets calculated that way. But because it's numbers and it's math and it can be confusing, it's easy to manipulate people with this 30% tax, 23% tax. That's a problem, but that's, it's not the biggest problem. They make it sound like nothing else is changing, that the Republicans are just going to start charging you 30% for everything you buy. Maybe, maybe we should start by telling people, not only will the federal government not be taking your money to hire 87,000 more IRS agents, if we actually had a fair tax, the IRS would go away completely gone. No IRS anymore wouldn't be necessary because we're not just adding a 23% sales tax. We're eliminating the federal income tax, the federal social security tax, the federal Medicare tax. Those are all gone. No more payroll taxes whatsoever. You will not pay one penny of tax out of your payroll check. Not one. If you go to work and you make $10 an hour, does anybody make $10 an hour anymore? Uh, If you make $10 an hour and you work for 10 hours, you're getting a hundred bucks. Nothing will be taken out of it ever. 
You will never have to pay tax on that money you earned. Isn't that wonderful? You'll never have to file another tax return again in your life. April 15th will become my anniversary and nothing more. April 15th will no longer be tax day. There won't be a tax day. No federal income tax whatsoever. No Social Security tax, no Medicare tax. Now, that doesn't mean they're getting rid of Social Security and Medicare. They're not. It stays exactly the way it is. We just fund it differently. We don't fund it from payroll withholding. Now, think about this. I mean, I'm an employer. I've been an employer my whole life. The thought of being able to just cut people checks here, here's all the money you earned. I get to give it to you. I don't have to take money out of your check and send it to the government every week. I get to give you, my employee, your entire check. You get every penny that you earned working for me. I love that idea. Now, how do we fund the government then? Because payroll withholding goes away. As an employer, I'll never have to deal with that again. I save money. I can get rid of my payroll service. I save money as an employer because I don't have to pay the other half of that Social Security and Medicare. That's huge. How much healthier would that make our small businesses? Take this burden off of our businesses. Now, how do we fund the government then? Well, this is the beauty of the fair tax. They did an awful lot of work on this. This was done, I, like I say, it's about 30 years now. Uh, there was a group of businessmen from Texas, of all places, and they were tired of how much time they had to spend in their business trying not to pay tax. They paid lawyers, they paid accountants, anything so we don't have to keep sending all this money to the government. That's just about how everybody who's ever owned a business feels. So they got together and said, look, it, it, we, we're not saying the government doesn't need money. Obviously, it does. The government needs a lot of money, way more than it should, but that's another show. They didn't try to cut the amount of money that was going to the government. They didn't go in and say, let's solve all kinds of problems. Let's get rid of the income tax and the Social Security and the Medicare. Let's put a fair tax in place and let's raise less money because the government spends too much anyway. They didn't try to do that. There's a really smart thing. And a lot of people have said, no, they should have. They should have. They should have gone after it and tried to get the taxes lowered and government smaller. And no, they shouldn't. That's too big of a problem to take on. Nothing would ever get done. Let's just go get the tax thing done first. Let's get a fair tax and watch how much better things get. So it's not going to happen, but I'm excited that it's being talked about even by our president. A lot of people are talking about this right now, and I'm surprised, pleasantly surprised that they are. All right, what else do I have on my list here? I got a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. Like I said, I've been collecting these for um, for quite a while. Oh, you know what? I forgot. Today was a, um, I, I'm out of practice here. I got, uh, I got off track during the holidays and with all the projects I, I have. I want to do at least one commentary every week. Some weeks I could be doing more. Um, it's not a lack of topics. It's a lack of time. So uh, I forgot that I normally start these with a shot and a quote. I, I want to continue that theme. So my shot today, I did take my shot this morning. Uh, it was the Manuka Firesider, which is my go-to hot honey shot during 
um, the sickness season that we're in now. A little immunity booster certainly can't hurt. And I had fun with my quote today. Um, I'm gonna, so here's the quote. You have brains in your head. You have feet in your shoes. You can steer yourself any direction you choose. Who said that? Actually, if you think about it, it should be pretty darn easy, really. You have brains in your head. You have feet in your shoes. You can steer yourself any direction you choose. That was Dr. Seuss. Dr. Seuss was a brilliant man. All right. What else do I have on here? Duh. Every time I try to get away from this COVID topic, I look at my notes and I have another note. There's a lot going on with this. I know people are tired of it, but we, we can't. We can't let that get in the way of, of talking about and speaking out about this. There, there is something really, really wrong here. So um, I talked about this a little on the air the other day. Um, Damar Hamlin, I guess that's the football player's name. I don't follow sports. Um, collapsed on the field the other night. Uh, millions and millions of people watching. The whole died suddenly thing took off right then. I mean, I, I have been watching this died suddenly topic for months, been watching the vaccine topic since the very first day. Um, this was the first time a lot of people saw something unusual. They saw a football player collapse on the field, and we've been watching football in this country for a long time, and that is a very, 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 did I say very? This is a very rare occurrence that a professional athlete collapses on the field, needs CPR uh, and medical intervention. That was a big deal, and a lot of people started talking about it. What happened? Where's DeMar now? We've been told he was rushed to the hospital. We saved his life. It's a great success story. Uh, where is he? Why, why haven't we heard any follow-up? Why haven't we heard whether he's vaccinated or not? My guess is he is. I, I'm, I, I can't know that for sure, but my guess is he's vaccinated. And my guess is that's what caused the problem. There are a lot of people right now that don't even believe he's alive. Because as far as we can tell, nobody's seen him. I, there are at least three people I'm following on Twitter that spend their entire day trying to prove whether he's alive or dead. And they haven't been able to do it yet. They went through all the, the film footage. He showed up at a practice or he showed up at one of the games or something. I'm not sure because I don't follow this, but I, I'm reading it. And they went through and they, they pulled out all of the video footage from that whole event, everything they could find. And they got it all together. Not once do you ever see his face. Now, look, I, I, I'm not into conspiracy theories, and there may be some explanation for this, but it's a little odd. You know, they even, somebody went so far as to pull older video footage of the same player, and in all that video footage, you can see his face and you can see who he is. Not once was he ever in a hoodie with the hoodie pulled way down low and his, and his face looking down and in the shadows the whole time. That's what all this video footage looks like. I don't know whether the guy's alive or not, but it would be so easy to just have him shoot a quick video. Hey, guys, it's me. I'm, I'm alive. I'm fine. Everything's going great. Except that isn't happening. So now people start wondering, is he really alive? We haven't seen him. 
Are they really trying this hard to cover this stuff up? And if they are, it's not going to work. There have been so many confirmed deaths around this. So uh, if it turns out that this, this really wasn't, well, there's still plenty out there. But the fact that they're, everything's so hush-hush and quiet, we haven't seen him and they're not reporting on this, um, makes me believe that this is just another big part of the cover-up. All right, uh, let me get to some of my trucking articles here. I had a couple of trucking topics I wanted to talk about. All right. uh, How's this for a headline? I've been waiting for this. How many times did you hear me tell somebody in the last six months, almost a year? I've been saying this for almost a year now. People would call me and say, I'm looking at this truck. And I'd say, what's the price? And, you know, as soon as they'd give me the price, I'd say, oh, no, not no, but hell no. Um, I, I have said for 30 years, there's no bad time to get into business. You can get into business anytime and succeed. I, I had to kind of correct myself on that. In trucking, we're in a bad time to get in. We have been for a while. I'm not recommending it right now, although we're getting close. And here's the headline. This is what I've been waiting for. Once in a lifetime pricing boom in used trucks reverses course. What have I been saying for at least six months? hold off. These prices will come back down. They were insane. Yes, once in a lifetime pricing boom. Uh, So year over year retail used truck prices dropped for first time since August of 2020. Um, At retail, the average sleeper tractor was 73 months old, had 469,000 miles on it, and sold for almost $90,000. I talked about those when those, uh, when those prices came out. Um, I, I was shocked. I said you would be insane to buy trucks at these prices. They are so overinflated. And people were saying, I know, but it's like that everywhere. Well, it, but it won't be forever. And when you make that mistake and you buy during a time like that, you're screwed. You can never make that up. You will, you will more than likely be upside down in your financing because of it. You'll have a hard time ever selling this thing. There, there's so many problems with buying at those high prices. Um, I was really trying to talk people out of it. So now what we have seen, um, month over month, class eight used volumes sold by the same dealers fell 15% and were 38% lower compared with November of 2021. 38% down. Think about that number for a second. Somebody called me three or four months ago. They were buying a truck that they were going to pay right around $100,000 for it. And I said, that is insane. There is no way you should be paying that much for that truck. Well, based on this number, based on this number, that truck is now $62,000 instead of 100000 Think about that. Think about that, what that does to your bottom line. It's the same truck. So nothing else in your operation changes. You just spent $38,000 too much. Now, 
If you've listened to me give advice about buying a truck and becoming an owner-operator, you shouldn't be spending $38,000, period, much less $38,000 too much. That's why I was so adamant with these, uh, with these callers. Do not do this. Don't go buy a truck right now. I don't care how much work you've put into this. I, I was at Pittsburgh Power one day, and there was an owner-operator there who had been an owner-operator a long time. I talked to him a little bit. He, he knew what he was doing. But he paid $240,000 for a used classic. I just couldn't even get my head around that. And, and we're seeing the results of it. Lot of, uh, a lot of bankruptcies in the owner-operator world and a lot of drivers going back um, to being employee drivers for carriers. So we're not there yet. There are still some trucks on the market that are overvalued. Um, three to five-year-old trucks right now are still probably overvalued on the, the used truck market. So if you're in that market, you're going to want to wait some more. I think we are now seeing, you know, some of those older, even some pre-emission stuff back in that $25,000 and under range. Those are good starter trucks. And those we're starting to see become available again. So um, by all means, if you have any questions about that truck prices, getting started, when should you buy, when shouldn't you start, or when shouldn't you buy, by all means, call me during the live show. Ask me. I'll spend as much time as I need to with you on this. Don't, don't get impatient right now. Hold out. We're, we're getting close to the bottom. And look, I, I feel your impatience, not about buying trucks, um, but I, I, I'm kind of sitting around doing the same thing about real estate. I'm sitting on a lot of cash. I've been watching properties for the last three years. And all I watched was the prices go up and up and up and up. Um, we bought a couple of properties during that time. And I think I explained it at the time. Um, in one sense, I felt like we overpaid for them, but we really didn't. Um, and even now that the prices have pulled back, we didn't overpay for any of them. We bought three properties during that time. Uh, we didn't overpay for any of them. We actually did pretty well, better than I thought we would have. Um, but those were kind of anomalies. You know, you could look and you could find specific situations where it made sense to buy. But I, I've passed up on a ton of properties that I really, really wanted. I just wasn't willing to pay the price. It, and I'm, I'm kind of itching now to, you know, get back out in that market, but I'm avoiding it because we're not there yet. We're close, but we're not there. So we just have to be patient for a little longer. Uh, I, I had, um, I don't, if you didn't get a chance to listen to the show on Wednesday, I had um, Joel Salatin back. Joel is... Uh, Joel's an awesome guy. He's the founder of Polyface Farms, considered the grandfather of, you know, regenerative farming and, and grass-fed and um, just an, a, an amazing guy. Got a lot of um, interesting opinions on a lot of topics. I just want to remind people, if you didn't hear the interview, if you did and you didn't follow up, go look up Joel Salatin. Look up um, his, his blog is called The Musings of a Lunatic Farmer. Um, he writes really interesting stuff. He's been um, covering a lot of really good topics. So uh, look him up, check it out, um, check out his writings. We we uh, got him to agree to come back. I think we may even do a uh, 
a mini series. We have a couple more mini series in the works. Um, so one of the things we're doing since we have our own platform now, we don't have to worry about commercials and time and, um, you know, we're, we're doing our own thing. It gives us a lot more freedom. So we came up with these idea of a, a mini series and it's almost like a mini course. You know, we, we get somebody who's really well read on a specific topic. Uh, for example, one of the mini series we're working on right now, uh, is with Sally Norton and it's a mini series on her book called Toxic Superfoods. So we we are recording that in the background. It'll probably take us a month or two. We're doing several episodes. And then we will release that on the app and you'll have access to that. It's really, it's almost like a mini audio course on the app. Um, that's how we design and, and lay out and record these mini series. And now we're looking around saying, well, how else could we use this? Because they're working really well and people are really starting to like them. We did one on um, adaptogens. And, and when Danielle worked with me on my adaptogen protocol, we recorded that as a mini series. We're, we're getting better at it, though. We're, like I say, we're going to start really kind of formatting these um, as mini courses. So they're going to be very organized and structured, and we'll put out a lot of information. Uh, so we have several of those coming up. And I, I'm kind of kicking around an idea with Joel that maybe there's some sort of a, a mini-series him and I could do. Um, maybe we would even doing do that one. You know, we could do it on farming. We could do it on health. Um, we have so many other good guests on those topics. The one topic I'd, I'd really like to... Um, explore with Joel. I'll have to run this by him. Um, Joel is a libertarian, but not really registered. Um, it's similar to like a lot of people are shocked to find out that Joel's farm is not organic. It's just not. He won't go through the process. He doesn't want the government's organic approval. He will show people and, and make it very clear to them that his standards are way better than the government's organic standards. He's way beyond organic. Uh, and he's like that in a lot of areas of his life. So maybe maybe Joel and I will do a, a mini-series on being libertarian. I think that might make an interesting topic. So we'll, we'll explore that. But uh, we've got some other ones coming up as well. Um, couple more topics here. And then I'm going to wrap this up. Um, Tesla. Tesla's got a product that I hadn't heard of before. Obviously, they've been working on this a long time because there's a huge program for it. It's already out. It exists. Um, I just wasn't aware of it. And I've talked a lot about all the things that Tesla does uh, or Elon Musk, not just Tesla. Tesla's just one of his companies. There's SpaceX. There's Bor the Boring Company. There's, I mean, he's got all kinds of stuff going on. I didn't know about this one. Uh, he has a product called a, a Mega Pack, and basically it is a very, very, very big battery. Like, they come in different sizes, but they start at about a million dollars for a battery. That's an expensive battery. He's selling them to cities and municipalities as backup batteries. Uh, this is pretty interesting. So you would install one of these um, Tesla batteries. It's their battery technology. And it, that we wouldn't have 
power outages. Now, if you have a downed power line somewhere, you still may have an outage at your house. But we wouldn't have these massive power outages and brownouts that we would store energy during, um, you know, normal operation and then have it there as it's basically just a big battery backup is all it is. You couldn't do this before because nobody made batteries this big. Nobody had anything like this. Uh, so now Tesla does, and they're, they're pushing this uh, mega pack. The good news about that is the more, and I, I am not a fan. I, I've been pretty clear about this. I love electric vehicles and electric technology. I hate the way our government is implementing it. The only way we can counteract that awful government crap that's going to happen is we need to get the free market more involved in batteries. So as consumers, if we buy more battery powered stuff, not necessarily cars, I understand why a lot of people don't want an electric car. Um, I, I will probably buy an electric car within the next decade. Um, it's not going to be any big deal. I mean, we hardly use our vehicles because we work at home. We live in a small town. We can walk to the warehouse. Um, but just for the fun of it, I will probably buy a used Tesla in the next couple of years just to experience it. But if we can get into these other battery technologies, then rather than have the government control all of this, maybe we can get enough um, private enterprise working on battery technology and these things will improve. Uh, we got to do something because we don't want to leave this in the hands of the government. They will screw it up. They always do. All right. Uh, artificial intelligence. Boy, I really have been all over the board here, haven't I? Um, like I said, this is stuff I've been collecting for about a month now, and I'm not even going to get to half of the notes. I'm going to wrap this up here in a little bit. Um, Listen to this number, back to the, oh, no, no, that's, I have two more topics. I just saw that one. Uh, artificial intelligence. I have a hard time wrapping my head around this. This is one of those topics that I won't even attempt to say that I understand. Artificial intelligence, basically what we're trying to do is create computers or devices, or robots, or vehicles, or everything that we've been putting computer chips into for the last several decades, which is just about everything, could also use artificial intelligence. But there's a big difference, a huge difference. So right now, we program a computer to do something very specific. And once you program the computer to do that, once you write the code, which is a set of instructions, do this, then this, then this, then this, it will do that over and over and over, and it will do it perfectly unless something fails in the software or the hardware, which is pretty rare. But it will never do it differently. So let's say that whatever task this device is performing, let's say that we put this thing outside in the summertime to perform this task. And then all of a sudden the winter comes and because the temperature changes, it can't perform that task the way it used to. Well, it, it, it's stupid 
It's just a set of instructions. So it will continue to try to do that task exactly the same way as it always has. That's all it knows how to do. Can't do anything different. What we're talking about now is is programming a machine or a device or a vehicle or a robot or a computer or a phone. And I'm just going to use the same simple analogy. We put it outside. Whatever task we have it doing is temperature sensitive. And then the temperature changes and the task doesn't work anymore. Now we are talking about a device that will learn that that happened and it will figure out how to overcome the problem. That's what artificial intelligence is. It's hard to get our minds around this, but that's what it is. We are teaching machines how to learn. This is a really, really scary idea. How do you stop them from learning? There's a lot of things we should be talking about with artificial intelligence that we're not talking about. And the reason I bring this up is because there's been this big push recently. There are programs that are coming out. I, I, I can't even keep up with all of this. One of them is called Chat, Chat GPX, I think, Chat AI. There are several. Um, you, if you want to go look them up, you could just look up artificial intelligence bots, B-O-T-S. Um, there's some really interesting thing going on with this. So you can go to these sites. Most of them are free right now, the, the ones that have been released. And you can interact with this artificial intelligence. Here are some of the things it's been able to do already. It has been able to pass the bar exam. I didn't, don't have any details on this, how they did this or how they set this up. But a computer passed the bar exam. Now, you can't program a computer to pass these kind of tests because you don't know what the questions are going to be. So you can't teach a computer to the test. That's how we teach most of our kids today. We tell them what's going to be on the test and we make them memorize it. That's not how this works, though. You can't pass the bar exam by memorizing it. Uh, my CFP exam, 15-hour test. There's no way you could have memorized anything that would help you on that test. You just had to know that stuff. Well, how does a computer know that stuff? I've seen they've passed the bar exam. They've passed lots of really difficult tests, tests that humans have trouble studying for and passing. This is doing it. This, this, these websites, if you go to them, you can say, I want you to write me an article about the American Revolution, and I want it told from this point of view. That's how intricate these things are. That program, you, you can go do this right now. That program will write that article for you, and it will be very, very well written. And if the next person comes along and asks something similar, they'll get a different story. It won't just keep cranking out the same stuff. It's not programmed to crank out a story about the American Revolution. It's programmed to learn. So these computers will actually start going to do searches. And it will learn about the American Revolution and then write an article for you. Most of what you're probably going to see in the next year around marketing 
when you see ads online now, you're going to have to wonder, was that written by a human or was it written by artificial intelligence? They can write commercials. They can write songs. They can write music. They can paint. They can create art. That, that's what the, and it's happening right now. And we haven't talked about this. Here's one of the problems that I didn't think about this. So how many other things are there that we haven't thought about this? Teachers in schools are starting to say, wait a minute, how are we going to know whether our students wrote this or whether artificial intelligence did it? They're go- we're going to have to come up with things really quickly to stop that. That could be happening right now. Students could be turning in homework assignments that were written by a chatbot with artificial intelligence. This is a really, I, I am, I, I've always been big on technology, but I think I've been pushed way beyond my point of being comfortable with this one. I, I boy, it's not like we don't have enough to worry about, but uh, this is one I'm going to be paying attention to. All right. Uh, I think I'm going to wrap this up. I had a couple other topics here, but uh, I think I'll save these and maybe I'll get a head start on my commentary for next week. Like I say, I'd like to put out at least one of these a week. Um, and on weeks where there's a lot of news, I'll try to put out more. So uh, I'm going to wrap it up for now. We will see you back here on Monday. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.